How many of y'all know there's something about the name Jesus? There's no name like Jesus. The name of Jesus brings deliverance. The name of Jesus brings forgiveness. The name of Jesus brings change and transformation. I wish there was some folk in here that would lose their mind because they know there's nothing like the name Jesus. Can't nobody do me like Jesus. Your mama can't do you like Jesus. Your spouse can't do you like Jesus. Your job can't do you like Jesus. Your friends can't do you like Jesus. Because there's nothing like the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Man, there is something about the name Jesus. Amen? Amen. Well, my name's TC. I'm glad to be here with you at Cornerstone. I've been coming to Cornerstone, I believe, since 2017. Uh, they've been bringing me here, giving me opportunities to preach and to be here with you. I'm so thankful for this church, thankful for your pastors, and I encourage you, keep praying for your pastors, love on your pastors, encourage your pastors, follow your pastors as they follow Christ, as they're getting away now to pray and to talk and think about how do they continue to move this church forward. Amen? Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, please turn to the book of James. James, the first chapter, verses 1 through 12. When you've arrived there, if you could stay standing and signify by, if you're able, uh, and signify by saying amen. James, chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. I'll be reading from the Christian Standard Bible, which may be different from yours, but I believe that's what's on the screen. Uh, if you've arrived there, could you say amen? Amen. Y'all got to talk back to me. Amen. If you're not there yet, say, hold on, preacher. It's okay. That's all right. And hey, that's all right, sister. That's all right. We want everybody's eyes on the word of God this morning. James chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. I hear a little bit of flipping still. I can't hear scrolling, but I'm sure there's a little scrolling going on at the same time. But James chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. And this is what it says. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes dispersed abroad, greetings. Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting, for the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of humble circumstances boast in his exaltation, but let the rich boast in his humiliation, because he will pass away like a flower of the field. For the sun rises, and together with the scorching wind dries up the grass. Its flowers fall off, and its beautiful appearance perishes. In the same way, the rich person will wither away while pursuing his activities. Verse 12. Blessed is the one who endures trials, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And I want to pause there and put a tag on this text. Trusting God in trials. Trusting God in trials. You may be seated. Let's pray. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, God, you know as we come to gather again around your word, you know where each and every one of us is. You know each and every one of our situations, God. You know everything that's going on intrinsically in all of our lives. And I just ask, God, now that you would minister to each of us individually, minister to us collectively, God. God, I pray you'll take my mind and think your thoughts, my mouth and speak your words for your people are listening. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. What do you do when life happens? What do you do when the hardships of life seem to be coming in like waves at you in your life? Come on, I want to talk to some real people this morning, some people that will be honest and admit that there are times in your life where life happens and it knocks you back or knocks you down. This isn't the day to give me the Sunday school answer. You know, people, how you doing today? Well, I'm highly favored and flavored in the Lord and blessed that my, 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 my bed wasn't my cooling bed and God gave me another day. All that's true, but I want to talk to some people that can be real and admit that there are times in your life where life happens. Where life happens, where the doctor gives you a diagnosis that you weren't waiting on, when the job comes to you and says, I gotta let you go, when your marriage is in trouble, when your children are acting crazy and you are wondering, what is going on in my life? Brothers and sisters, the Christian life that we live is not a life that is guaranteed to be peaches and cream. It's a life that is full of hardships and pains. And James deals with that very thing in our text this morning. James, who is the half-brother of Jesus, half-brother because he, he, they have the same mother, but they got different fathers. That, 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 that obviously, you know, Jesus has his father in heaven, uh, impregnated him in the Virgin Mary, was born of a virgin, perfect life, 100% God, 100% man. But after that, Mary and Joseph actually had children, which would be Jesus' half-siblings. And James here is writing, and, and James, who also is said to have been the leader of the early Jerusalem church, is writing now, and the text tells us that he's writing to Jewish Christians that have been living are scattered and living outside of the boundaries of Israel. And James begins this book in a very specific way. He deals dealing with the topic of trials. Notice verse 2 in the text. James says, Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. Now, James does not mentioned the specific trial here. The text says various trials. That, that, and I love the fact that he did that because that leaves room for the trials that you're facing and the trials that I'm facing. That, that God uh, is saying here that, that we are to count it joy when we experience various trials. And I believe that if we could do a, a polling of the room today, there would be various trials that are going on in the lives of God's people in this room. And if you are not going through a trial, you need to listen up because I will tell you, trials will come. Amen? And so James is saying to them, consider it joy when you have trials. And, and, and what we need to understand here is trials are things that God allows in our lives for his purposes. It could be health related. It could be financial. It could be relational, just to name a few things. Trials come in all shapes and sizes. The one thing that I can tell you and promise you is true is that if you live this life in this world, there will be times and experiences where trials of various kinds will come in and affect you and those around you. 
And James wants to help us to understand more about that. And, and so here's the thing we need to understand, though, about trials. Trials are things that God allows in our lives for the purpose of helping us to be helping us to grow in Jesus. Or he, he allows them. But, but those are different than the consequences of sin. Well, wake up the person next to you for a second. That, 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 that some of us have the ability to be deep in sin and we're receiving the consequences for our sin. It was like, see, God just giving me a trial right now. No, you was involved in something that you should have never been involved in and God is allowing you to face the consequences. Get this, if you're in Christ, God forgives all sin, but that doesn't mean that God's going to spare us of the consequences that come from our sin. But here in the text, James is talking about trials and things that God brings, that God allows into our lives. And that's what he's talking about here in this current text. And, and what I want to do this morning is I want to look at the text which I read in your hearing, and I want to show you quickly three things that will help you and help me when the trials of life come. So if you're in the midst of a trial now or you got a trial that's coming you don't know about, I'm hopeful that these three things will help you as you navigate life facing trials. Three things quickly, I'll be out of your way. Number one, trials grow our faith. Trials grow our faith. Look at verse two one more time. It says, consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, Whenever you experience various trials, and you hear that, you're like, what? Great joy. Consider it joy. God, do you know what I'm, James, do you know what I'm going through? Do you know the hell that's going on in my house? Do you know the reality that I lost my job? Do you know the reality that I'm dealing with cancer? Do you know the reality that I just lost a parent? And you're telling me to have joy in the midst of that? That seems crazy. But see, it only seems crazy if you understand joy in the context of how the world sees joy. But it makes perfect sense if we see it in light of how God sees joy. You, you see, joy is the reality of not being happy about your circumstance, but having joy in the God who's over your circumstance. See, it's not that you're happy. Oh, another trial. Yes. God, thank you. I lost my job. It's great. No. Like, no, there, there's real pain that comes with the hardships of life, and we need to be real about that and be able to deal with that. And the problem sometimes is we rush to just, people, see, you know, Lord is good. And it's, like, sometimes you just got to let people lament and deal with their pain. We, we, we need to be those kind of people, but... There needs to be a reality where we can come to the place in our situations where we recognize that God is a God over our situations. And since he's over our situations, we don't have joy in the situation per se, but we have joy in the God who's over the situation. One source says you have to understand joy is more than a feeling. It's a mindset. He, the source says the verbs James uses here are consider in verse 2, know in verse 3, which further demonstrate he's talking about a mindset rather than a feeling is, is, is what this commentator says. And here's the thing. And when the mindset is right, focused on Christ in the middle of what we're facing, it'll change the feelings. So we, we can actually have a joy when our focus is on the right things and, and, the right, and, and on God who's over our circumstances. Doesn't mean it's not going to be hard. Doesn't mean it's not going to be painful. But it means that we can have joy in the God who's over all of it. So, so here, here's the thing, though. But notice... 
what happens through it. So he says joy in the midst of trials, but then notice verse 3, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. James says that when trials come in our lives, they, are te- they test our faith. And this is why God allows trials in our lives for the purpose of testing our faith. Now get this, God doesn't allow trials to see if we have faith. No, 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 no. They're there to strengthen the faith that we already have. And so, 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 so he brings them to test. Jesus is a God that tests his people. He, he tested Abraham in the wilderness with Isaac. Jesus, who was perfect in every single way, was tested in the wilderness. That, that God will test his people. Now, one more thing you got to understand now. God will test our faith, but God will never tempt us to sin. See, God, James is going to deal with that when you get to verse 13. James is going to shift from the, the testing of faith to, to temptation. See, when you're tempted to sin, that's about you. That's about your sinful desire. That's, that's about what's inside of you. Now, what could happen is, get this, you can allow a test from God. If you, if you handle a test from God sinfully, you could be tempted to fall into sin, but God wasn't in that. God's whole purpose was to test your faith for the purpose of, as we see, strengthen your faith. Notice what he says in verse 3 through 4, again, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Brothers and sisters, your faith grows through the trials of life. Okay, y'all not getting it. Okay, y'all not saying amen enough. Okay. How can I help you? Oh, I got it. Okay. So when me and my wife and our family moved to Indianapolis five years ago, my wife uh, decided to pick up running. I didn't join her in that hobby. And so she decided to pick up running. And so she started out, and then she started running. Before you know it, she's running races, got medals all on the wall and everything. I mean, all kinds of stuff. And one day she went out, and when she went out, she actually ran five miles. And she came home and said, I ran five miles, and I didn't stop. Whole time, five miles, ran the whole time. And what you have to understand is my wife didn't wake up one day, get off the couch, and go out and run five miles. No, it was as she continued to put her body up under the stress of running that it grew in endurance so that she had the ability to be able to go for a longer period of time. Some of y'all need to hear what I'm saying this morning, that God is a God that will bring tests in your life, and those tests are there to continue to strengthen your faith so your faith gets stronger and stronger, that you can endure more and walk more with Jesus. How many of y'all been walking with Jesus and you recognize that God has put you through some stuff and then five years ago you wouldn't have known what to do? But because God allowed you to go through something, you have the ability to endure even under the hardships of life. God will bring trials for the purpose of endurance. But, but, but not just that. Notice verse 4, and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. The goal of the trials is to grow our faith and the ultimate goal is full maturity now here's the thing we won't get there this side of heaven but we still pursue that until the day when Jesus returns and so when you see people that seem to have strong faith in God and they seem to be going through stuff it's like man they just seem to be going through it listen them folk done been through some stuff and they've seen the hand of God they've seen God work and their faith be strengthened so they're able to be able to stand up under it But what a lot of us want is, we want to jump off the couch day one and run five miles. We we, we want, want, 
uh, 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 well-fit bodies without working out. And the kind of faith and the growth in our Christian life that we need will only come through facing the hardships of life, which God uses to grow us. And so a lot of times what happens when we go through hardships is we ask, why, God? Why am I going through this, right? But that's not the right question. The right question is, what are you trying to do through this, God? See, we waste our trials. See, because the problem is, and I heard another preacher talk about this, is the idea of like what we do, we want to be, we become bitter, right? And, and when we're bitter, we're not, we're not getting what we're supposed to be getting from it, right? Like when we're bitter or we lose hope or we're down, you know, these kind of dynamics, and, and we waste our trials instead of allowing the trial to get us to the place that God wants us to be at. Okay, y'all not saying amen again, man. Okay. So I ride motorcycles. I got a Harley Davidson motorcycle, and uh, I've been riding for a long time. I didn't have one for a long time, but I've, I've rode for a long time motorcycles. And so I don't have I don't have a license yet. I had a permit, so I'm actually going to take a test so I can get my actual motorcycle license. And so part of the license is you go and do the class, but before you do the class, there's actually a test. There's like a five hours worth of stuff you got to do online and listen to and, and answer the questions and all that. So I'm going through it, and I listened to one of the lectures. It was one of the long ones, like 30 minutes or something like that. Got to the end of the lecture, didn't pass the test. Guess what happened? It started the lecture all the way back over. See, that's what happens a lot of times to you and I, is that God has given us the test. God has put it there for the purpose of us growing, and instead of growing through what it is that God is trying to show us, we're bitter, we're down, we're mad at everybody, and we don't actually gain the growth that God wants from the test. And we find ourselves, probably some of us, doing the same things over and over, get the same results over and over again. No, brothers and sisters, don't waste your test. Because here's the thing. God is doing something in it. And you might not see it at the moment, but God is moving in the midst of your test. Okay, man. Y'all still not getting this thing. Okay, so uh, pastor helped me with this too. Uh, another pastor helped me with this. There was an African king. And the African king had a friend, and they went hunting together. And, and, and he told, the pastor tells his story, and they go hunting. The friend gets the, pulls the gun out, hits, shoots it, blows the king's hand off. King puts the man in prison. Man's in prison. King goes out another day to go hunting. And when he goes out to go hunting, he gets, he gets uh, picked up by some uh, cannibalists, people that eat people. And so he get, they get captured, they pick them up. And, but the thing about these cannibalists is, is that they ate people, but they didn't eat people that had defects. And so when they saw his hand, they looked at his hand and said, we won't eat him because he's got defects. The man goes back to prison, grabs his friend out of prison, and he says, I'm so sorry that I put you in prison. And the friend's like, no, king, I blew your hand off. I should have never did that. No, he said, no, no, you don't get it. If you wouldn't have blown my hand off, then I would have been eaten by the cannibalists. Listen, y'all, all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. God is up to something even in your pain. So don't waste the test. So number one, get this, God is growing us through trials. But notice secondly, God gives wisdom to those who have faith as they face trials. 
God gives wisdom to those who have faith as they face trials. Notice the text. Moving on to verse 5, James is changing topic. Now he started to talk about wisdom. And, and what James is helping us see is that God doesn't leave us alone in the trial. Yeah, God is with us. His spirit is with us. All of that. But listen to this. Notice what verse 5 says. It says in verse 5 that God gives wisdom. Notice it. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to them, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. Listen, y'all. Wisdom is the ability to navigate life in a fallen world in a godly way. Wisdom is the ability to be able to navigate life in a fallen world in a godly way. Listen, y'all, wisdom and knowledge are not necessarily the same thing. You got some people that know a lot of stuff that's still foolish. And listen, y'all, just because you got some gray hair and got a little age on you don't mean you wise. There's some old fools out there as well. Listen, just because you're old and you've been around, that don't mean you're wise. Listen, there could be younger folk who, who, who have the wisdom of God that can have more wisdom than a person that's lived way longer than them. Because wisdom, yes, it can be with a person that's older, but not necessarily. Yes, wisdom involves knowledge, but not just knowledge by itself. It's this ability to be able to navigate life in a fallen world in a godly way. And so he says to them, if you lack wisdom, you should ask God. And so what he's saying is that when we ask God, and notice, when we ask God for wisdom, notice, he gives it, and he gives it, it says, generously and ungrudgingly. That God is not a God that, God is not a God that is stingy with his children. No, no, and some of us, we struggle because of some of the earthly parents we've had. And so we try to put God off on the experiences we've had with earthly parents. But God is so much different than our earthly parents. God is God. God is perfect. God is holy. God is in charge of everything. God always does what's good and right and righteous. And the text says that he'll give it to us generously and ungrudgingly. That, that when we're struggling with the hardships of life and don't know what to do or where to turn, that we need to be people that seek God in prayer for his wisdom. But get this, there's a caveat to this. Notice verses 6 through 8. But let him ask in faith without doubting, for the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Listen, we have to ask in faith. Now get this, I'm not, this does not mean that our faith has to be perfect. None of us have perfect faith. Right, but, but we ask in faith. What, what it means is, is that we don't have divided loyalties to where wisdom can be found. It, it means that we're like what Elijah said to Israel in, in 1 Kings 18.21. Then Elijah approached all the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people didn't answer him a word. That, that, that what it means is, is that when we're, not, we're having faith is that we recognize that if we're going to have any kind of wisdom to be able to navigate life in the world in a godly way in the midst of what we're facing, that wisdom source comes from God and see we say a lot of yeah God yeah amen amen yeah this but let me ask you this what do you do when life happens who do you go to see because some of us we're going to people our friends that they're not they ain't gonna talk none about God 
They just, well, girl, you ought to do this with that situation. Or, hey, bro, if it was me, I, all kinds of just stuff. And we're like, yeah, that sounds kind of right, man. Yeah, I would do that too if I was you. And before you know it, we've gotten ourselves even deeper into situations, right? That, that we go to magazines and self-help books and, and, and this person and that person and all these people because we don't really believe that God has what we need in order for us to navigate what it is that we are facing. Now, that's not the Sunday school. Many of us wouldn't come out and say that. You know something else that we do, though? We'll say, well, I'm going to go to God. Then I'm going to go see what they're talking about over here. Because what if God's thing don't work? And if God's thing don't work, at least I got a backup. Listen, you can't have no backup plans. God got to be the plan. Amen, somebody. That, that, that you can't have another plan. There's only one plan. It's God's plan and God's wisdom. Because what happens is, when, when, we, when we become people that, that are looking in all these different places, the text says we become double-minded and unstable in all our ways. You know people like that? If they hear, don't look at Okay, I see the wink over there. Okay, okay, yeah. Don't look at it. You can wink. Okay, I see it there. Okay, okay. People like that, maybe it's you, that you just feels like you're always unstable. Or they're always, it seems like they're always running from this to that and want this person to touch them and this one to speak a word. And they're just running to this and that show and this self-help book. And it just seems like they're always unstable. You know people like that? Well, I would wonder to ask, is it because they're trying to navigate life and its hardships apart from God? See, whenever you try to navigate life Apart from God, you're going to be unstable because the only way that it really makes sense is if we understand it in the way of God. Okay, some of y'all get that in the parking lot. Okay, okay, okay. Or maybe they're not here today. So the ones who need to hear that. So anyway, so, so, so he says you're unstable in all your ways. But see, what we need to be, brothers and sisters, whenever the time comes where we find ourselves in situations where life happens, is we need to cry out to God. God, I don't know what's going on here, but you do. And God, I'm asking you to give me the wisdom, the ability to navigate this situation in a way that is godly. And I'm trusting you to move in this particular situation. And then we also, then we go to God's word. And we allow God's word to speak into that thing. We come and gather with God's people and hear God's word preached week after week. So we're hearing God's perspective on life and the situations and the problems and things of life. We're gathering with other Christians who are going to speak God's word over us and tell us what God's word says and the wisdom that comes from God's word. And as we're doing it, we're praying and we say, God, help me to have wisdom to navigate this. Because, see, when we don't do that, what happens is it can be easy for our test from God to turn into a turn into a temptation towards sin because of us instead of a test from God that's supposed to lead to it could lead to a testimony that we better tell people what God did and how God moved in this particular situation and and how God helped me navigate this with his wisdom and all of that brothers and sisters can we trust God when we can't trace what God is doing can we trust God when we can't trace what God is doing? Trusting and seeking God's wisdom to navigate life when life happens. So number one, trials come, they help us grow. Number two, God gives us wisdom for trials. But notice third and finally, third and finally, trials won't last always for those in the faith. 
those in the faith. So, so look at verses 9 through 11 real quickly. It says, let the brother of humble circumstances boast in his exaltation, but let the rich boast in his humiliation, because he will pass away like a flower of the field. For the sun rises, and together with the scorching wind, dries up the grass. Its flower falls off, and its beautiful appearance perishes. In the same way, the rich person will wither away while pursuing his activities. Now, this, these verses are, are kind of, people don't fully know what these verses are saying. Now, the first part of it we understand, it says that let the poor boast in his exaltation. And so, obviously, a lot of these people would have been poor, and that would have potentially been a big part of their, of their trial in their life. And, and, and so he's like, man, don't, you need to boast in the fact that you have this high position in Christ and not in the low position that the world tries to say that you have. Okay, we get that. But then he talks about the, the rich in verse 10, and there's debate, okay, are the rich here actually rich Christians or are the rich here actually non-Christians? And so there's a lot of, a lot of debate about that. And, but, but if they are Christians, what, what that could help us to see is is that trials of life don't just affect poor people. The trials of life affect rich and poor. I know somebody's in here like, well, I'd rather have the trials of rich people, right? <laughs> if I got a choice, give me the problems of the person that got some money. But, but what we have to understand is both money and not money both can bring trials in different ways. Matter of fact, that's what, and another preacher helped me with this, that, that thought. But, but then notice, even as he helped me with this, what Proverbs 37 and 9 says, For two things I ask of you, don't deny them to me before I die. Keep falsehood and deceitful words far from me. Give me neither poverty nor wealth. Feed me with the food I need. Otherwise, I might have too much and deny you, saying, who is the Lord? Or I might have nothing and steal, profaning the name of my God. Both money and not having money bring their own trials and troubles in life. And so that might be what, what's actually going on here, or, or it might be talking about the lost, the lost person and, and, and what the, what's going to happen to that person in the end. But either way, here's the thing I, I think we do see is that this, these verses are pointing the people, both the rich and the poor, to look beyond them, beyond their current situation, to, their, to the future. Which is what verse 12 picks up. Look at verse 12. James says, blessed is the one who endures trials, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Now, now we don't normally think of blessing and trial together, do we? No, we don't. But, but, but James does here. He, he sees the idea of this person is blessed who endures the trial. And notice what it says, that he's going to receive the crown of life. And the question, what, what is this crown of life? Well, well one thing, I don't, think, I don't think it has anything to do with jewelry. Like you're going to get some gold rings and necklaces and platinum diamonds and all that. When you get, I, don't, I don't know that, that that's not what I don't believe it's saying. What we understand in biblical days, they had sports. Like we got sports. Everybody getting ready for football today. Go Colts. Indianapolis, Indianapolis, so cool. Okay, okay. I see where I'm at now, hostile territory. Let me get back to what I'm supposed to be doing. Uh, in biblical days, they had sports, and the laurel wreath was given to a person who competed athletics and was victorious in the end of the race. Paul talks a lot about this same thing, about the crown of righteousness and, and running the race. The, the James and Paul must have been sports fans, so it's okay to like sports. And, 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 but, 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 but here's the thing. What I believe that the crown of life is, is 
It is life itself, true eternal life with all the eternal benefits. I don't know what they're going to look like or what that's all going to look like, but it's going to be amazing when we get there. Now, somebody like, hold up, preacher. Now, I thought that we were saved by grace through faith apart from works. So are you saying that we earn God's love by enduring? No, I'm saying that those who are in Christ will endure. That, that if you've trusted Christ, you're not, you don't earn God's love, but you're Christ. But those who have truly trusted Christ will endure to the end. He who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Listen, y'all, we got to quit telling folk that walk in aisle when they're 10 years old, give the deacon their hand and the preacher their heart, and get baptized. They go out in the streets, live like a hellion. They die. They come back in the church, and the preacher stands up. I can see him crossing the Jordan. No. How do you know? No, the most confidence that we can have that people are in Christ is as they endure in Christ. Not perfectly, but actually progressively. Okay? And so he says that they'll earn the crown of life. That, 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 and what that's telling me, though, is, is that what you're dealing with right now can't last always. Cancer can't last always. Loss of job can't last always. Loneliness can't last forever. Relational problems can't last forever. What this text shows is that a day is coming when Jesus is going to return, make all things new, and take us to be with him. He's going to make the new heavens and new earth where only righteous will dwell. All, no tears, no pain, no struggle. That's what we are looking forward to, brother and sister in Christ. That, 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 that we recognize this reality. And you know one of the ways that we really recognize it? Because Jesus showed us by what Jesus did. See, Jesus faced a trial when he was beaten and put before a kangaroo court. Jesus faced a trial when he was hung on a cross and nails in his hands and nails in his feet. Jesus faced the hardships of life when they pierced him in the side and put a crown of thorns on his head. Jesus faced a hardship when Jesus died. But get this, y'all. Jesus didn't stay dead because early Sunday morning he got up with all power in his hands. Jesus got up from the grave to help us see that our troubles can't last always if we are in Christ. Because since Jesus got up, one day we will rise with him. And that got to excite somebody in here today. That Jesus got up. And one day, no matter how hard life is, we will get up. Because of Jesus, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Because of Jesus, I can say with Paul, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed. Because Jesus got up, I can be like Paul who said, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. There's reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day but get this and not only to me but to all those who have loved his appearing <laughs> trouble can't last always because Jesus got out the tomb and that's what you got to hold on. I don't know what you got to face tomorrow. I don't know what you're going to face on your job, what you face at home. But what I want you to hold on to is Jesus got up, and so trouble can't last always. That life is how it is now, but true life is coming. And so we need to keep our eyes focused on Jesus, who is the one who will help us and keep us as we're going in through this life with the hardships that we face. I know life is hard. It'll kick us. I know it will. 
But it's God is growing us. God's got wisdom for us, and it can't last always. Now, sometimes, and let me say this, some situations you will actually see deliverance in this life. And I hope that happens for you. I don't know your situation, but I hope it does. But what I can tell you is even if it doesn't, the greatest life that you could ever imagine is still to come. We got to get out of this mindset of our best life now. Christianity says it's our best life ultimately later. So brothers and sisters, hold on to Jesus. Keep holding on. I know it's hard. I heard a sister talk about losing parents. I know a pa- one of your pastors lost a parent. I know there's all kinds of things that are going on. But keep holding on to Jesus. Keep seeking his wisdom. Keep allowing him to shape and grow you and make you and mold you until the day when he comes back and makes all things new. If you're here and you're not a Christian, I want you to know that ultimately you can't have this joy. Because for you, your life is all wrapped up in the now. It's all wrapped up in the now. That's the only hope you have of anything in the future is what's now. And so what's happened is you've had hard times and you're trying to find ways out of it and this, that, and the other and and whatever, but you're navigating it by yourself. Have you ever tried to take a trip somewhere that you didn't know how to get without GPS? I know some of us older folk know there was a time when you didn't have GPS, but you get what I'm saying in this day and age. When you live life without Jesus, you're navigating life without GPS. But here's the good news. The good news is, is that God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross and raise from the dead to pay for your sins. If you'll recognize you're a sinner and turn from your sin and trust in Jesus alone, in his death and resurrection alone, he will save you. He will redeem you. He will put his Holy Spirit inside of you and guide and direct your life as you look to him. Listen, I know everything out there is telling you, Find hope here. Find meaning here. Find joy. Listen, I promise you it will fail you. And you already know that because you've tried. And it continues to fail you. You were made in such a way that only Jesus can satisfy the deepest longings of your heart. He's the GPS. He's the only one that makes this life make sense and gives hope for the life to come. So please, if you don't know him, I pray that you cry out to God and and trust in Christ. You can cry out to him where you are, confess you're a sinner and turn from sin and trust in Christ alone. And and he'll save you. And then talk to somebody. Let somebody know, man, I trusted Christ today, that they can walk with you and help you know what would be next. Brothers and sisters, again, hold on. Keep following Jesus. Keep growing. Keep seeking his wisdom. Keep knowing that no matter what I face now, it can't last forever. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your goodness, your kindness, your tender mercy. God, I do pray in the name of Jesus that the words that were spoken today were helpful to your people. I pray, God, that you would draw your people closer to you through this. I pray you draw me closer to you through this, Lord. I pray, God, for anyone in this room that doesn't know you, God, that they would come to faith in you so that life would actually really have meaning and make sense. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.